This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. Hi everyone, very warm welcome to you all and welcome to our session in conversation uh, with ScreenWrites. Uh, my name is Rory Elkington. Uh, I'm a screen distribution uh, consultant and researcher. Um, and I'll get to a little bit more about what I do and why I'm here, as well as introducing our um, fantastic panel shortly. But just before we do um, any of that, I just want to play a very short video because I'm aware that maybe some people might uh, either not be completely across the function of screen rights, the purpose of this session today, or maybe wants a little bit of a refresher. So we've got a very useful, reasonably short um, video that we might play now. So I'll just get back to you. Thanks, Sam. Um, before we start, and again, welcome to the people that have just arrived. Um, we certainly appreciate you turning up. You could be anywhere in Melbourne, anywhere at um, AIDC, but you're here with us now, which is great. Thank you. Um, I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, where we stand, their elders past, present and emerging. I want to also welcome our panel, who we're very lucky uh, to have with us today. Um, we've got Simon Lake, who's the Chief Executive of ScreenWrites. We've also got uh, Emma Madison, who's the Head of Member Services. And right in the middle, we've got Veronica Fury, producer extraordinaire, who I'm sure many of you will know, um, who's representing filmmakers and will be able to provide some um, valued insight on this conversation with ScreenWrites. So just briefly a little bit about me and why I'm involved with this session. Um, I'm at QUT and my research is on the education market for documentary films. And in the course of that research, uh, especially within Australia, screen rights comes up a lot. Um, and one of the reasons they come up a lot is that they actually return a great deal of money back to documentary rights holders, not just in Australia, but around the world. So it's correct and I think fitting that they're at AIDC and it's a useful opportunity for us to kind of get up to date with what's been happening with screen rights um, and this space, especially with education. Okay, so Simon. Um, it's first question I have for you is, I think there's been, like many of you here, I subscribe to the ScreenWrites newsletter and get regular updates, and it seems like there's been quite a lot happening in the last uh, 12 months or so for ScreenWrites. So where have those sort of changes and events been occurring for you? Yeah, thanks thanks very much, and thank you to everybody for coming. And um, just before we start, um, uh, just like to sort of the, the, say the last session which I went to, which was on prison songs, is one of the best sessions mm -hmm. I've ever been to in any conference on in documentary, it was just extraordinary, and it kind of reminds us why why we're why we're all here today. Um, uh, just in terms of screenwrites, I mean, it was a, it was a huge year last year. We we had um, forty six million dollars. Microphones falling on me there. Um, we had forty six million dollars in revenue, but uh, uh, across a, a range of our schemes. Um, but what uh, what is particularly interesting is is that is is that there's been a massive increase in use of our licences. Uh, and we had over a million different uses of our licences last year. And that, that, that pr provides a great distribution challenge for us, but it's also exciting that, uh, that, 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 that the licences are being so heavily used. Um, in terms of um, documentary, uh, we've done a little bit of a, uh, a breakdown uh, in, terms of, in terms of the what's copied under the educational um, scheme. And, this, and roughly around about, it's been about six or 700,000 uses of our, of, 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 of our educational scheme within Australia. But um, sorry if it's a little bit hard to read, but you will see there that um, up the top uh, is documentary, and that's 57% 50, of the uses of our licence 
are in documentary. And there was a session yesterday about long-form documentaries and, and the way in which documentaries uh, are, are measured in terms, of, in terms of audience use. And this is another use beyond the broadcast, beyond what's happening in iview and, 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 and other online services, that, 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 that clearly there's a great hunger for, um, within the Australian education system, and I should also say the New Zealand education system, mm -hmm. for documentaries. Um, and if we just flick to the next mm -hmm. next slide, um, I'm not trusted with that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, last year, we 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 uh, uh, distributed around 26 million dollars um, available for 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 um, under the Australian Educational Service, and of that, 35% um, was to Australian documentaries. Um, so 9.4 million dollars um, going to Australian documentary rights holders. Now. That's really, really significant. When you have a look at the competition that's out there um, for us to have a licence where 36% where of, of the use is Australian documentaries means that we're, we're hitting the mark in terms, in terms of what, what educators want. And one of ScreenWrite's focuses is, is trying to get more into what's happening within the classroom to actually understand the teacher experience and that, that experience is changing very much, that, that teachers um, aren't necessarily able to show one hour and half hour documentaries within the classroom <laughs> situation that they're, that they're looking to, to show shorter clips, but they're also wanting to access those, those longer forms outside, outside of the classroom. And we've got to adapt our services to that. And, and that's what we're really focusing on. And we're focusing on how can we grow the pie? Because the, the thing for us is, is, is that, and we can all talk about um, who gets a slice of the pie, but the, but the actual pie, the royalty pie, is crucial. Uh, and, and Screen Rights has a lot of competition there. It has competition with YouTube uh, in, ter in terms of teachers being able to access that for free. There's competition there with, 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 um, with, with the broadcaster's streaming services, which are not covered under the Screen Rights licence. Uh, and, and, uh, and so what we have to do is try to actually provide a service which is relevant, which teachers want to use and, and, and which gets the content to them as quickly as possible. And also, there's also legislative um, challenges too. And the introduction of the, 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 the proposed introduction of fair use um, could have a real impact on, 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 on the screen rights licence, uh, the educational licence. And certainly when, when, that, uh, when fair use was introduced in Canada, uh, that had a, a, a very detrimental effect on, 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 on the educational royalty returns. So there's, there's a lot of challenges um, and, and for us, um, we have to, we're licensing 10,000 schools, we're licensing 39 universities within Australia. It's nearly a quarter of the population are directly involved in education and, and we've got to make sure that what we do is, is continually relevant and that's getting harder and harder and we as an industry have to work out ways in which in which we can pull together and to actually make sure that we, we provide something which is compelling and persuasive. Mm. So look on that on that pie, on that big chunk of red that we see there, which represents documentaries, um, and that nine point four million. So that has that been hovering around that figure for the last couple of years? That's not sort of a big aberration, that's always been around that kind of mark back to Australian documentary makers? Roughly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's um, and and I th uh, what, as I said, what it, what it says is that, that there's, a, there's a hunger there for, mm. for, to use Australian content, which is fantastic. Uh, and, and what we've got to do is increase the, the, the appetite for that. But we also have to get 
a remuneration model where people people pay. I mean, distribution uh, in terms of in terms that there are many ways to get content, and so why go to screen rights? And we have to answer that question. Mm. Uh, and and uh, the good news is is that we've we've actually done a deal with the schools, uh, with all Australian schools. Um, for the next five and a half years, which is great. We've done a deal with the universities for the next two years, but other sectors are more challenging. Uh, and, and we certainly, um, there's, there's no sense of, um, of, 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 of thinking that, that, that we don't have to do more, we have to do much more mm. because, because of the competition which, which, which we're facing. Mm. So just to clarify one of the points you, you raised there, that, that figure that's being returned back to Australian documentary makers for use of their content, so content that's streamed into a classroom, content that's brought into DVD and then used uh, iView or ABC or YouTube, that, none of that is represented in this figure. This is just back from the money that Screen Rights has generated. So, so, the, so we, we, we get a royalty pool. The, mm. the teachers, the, sorry, the, 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 um, the educators pay a per dollar figure per student. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then this, this is what they've used. So they can use any broadcast, be it free-to-air, be it... Um, from subscription television, and this represents what they have chosen to copy. So it's it's, it's all in their hands. Um, and in terms in terms of if, if it's streamed, say off ABC iView, there's no that that's not covered by the uh, screen rights, the screen rights um, license or the, the license within the Copyright Act. Um, nor nor necessarily is is anything on is things on YouTube. Right. Um, so so what we want is is for teachers to use. Um, content management systems, we call them like Enhanced TV, ClickView, those types of services. Um, because when you have a look at it, um, it's, it's, there's been a big change since the days when, when teachers would get, uh, or anybody gets a VHS. If I asked you to, to provide me with a copy of a program, mm. um, you know, once you could have given me a copy of a VHS, portable, portable media, it's not the same anymore. People aren't recording onto, on, on, onto, onto DVDs and so forth. Things are things are all cloud-based and streamed. So, sure. So so it's a changing market, and um, and luckily we've got a license that is flexible. But um, but uh, we we have to continue to adapt. Mm -hmm. Emma, I might turn to you. So you ha were here this time last year for um, AIDC, and when you kind of think back over the last twelve months, what have kind of been the big advances and changes for you? <coughs> well, um, I guess the first thing. Um, uh, that uh, Simon has alluded to, we've seen an explosion in in, in data. Really, um, when we um, distribute royalties, we um, we have from our members the registrations that they've submitted. We've got over 1.3 million registrations um, from our members all across the world, um, and with a now a million uses. Actually, we might go to the next one. Um, with a million uses, where um, we're cross-matching those million uses against 1.3 million. Um, um, claims. So across the the last year, um, what we um, what we have done is um, launched our express resolution um, process. Occasionally, with those 1.3 million claims, you do get claims for the same royalty from two or more members, um, and these are called competing claims. And so we have um, uh, various processes available to, um, for members to use to resolve those competing claims. But in the last year, we launched the express resolution process, which um, was done in cons consultation with the industry um, and is aimed at resolving um, cli competing claims for the same royalty between members as mm -hmm. quickly and as efficiently as possible, making sure the, um, the correct rights holder is paid. 
Um, and um, early indications is it's, it's working. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the year, we're going to do a, um, a big review of um, all of our um, uh, competing claim management processes um, um, and work with um, some independent um, consultants to really um, make sure it really is working for the industry. So that's happened in the last year. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we've done in the last year is we've launched um, disbursements by screen rights. We might jump back mm -hmm. one slide. We're not going to dwell on, um, on this particular slide for too long, but um, in addition to the local royalties that screen rights uh, distributes, we also have optional services that are available. Um, the first is um, Screen Rights International, where we collect royalties from around the world. Um, most of those royalties are retransmission royalties and um, private copying royalties, so we can do that for you, there's a numerous organisations like Screen Rights around the world, um, all with different practices, um, all working under different um, legal um, regimes. So um, it can make sense to use an agent to, to do that for you. So that's that's one service we offer. Mm -hmm. um, and disbursements by Screen Rights is specifically for um, Australian producers and their investors. And that um, is um, a new service offered. Um, the Screen Australia, we're offering um, a similar service, and SAFC, we're offering a similar service. And they've both asked Screen Rights if we would um, um, offer this service for the industry. Um, so we, we've done that. Um, for documentary makers, um, perhaps you, know, you have quite simple financing structures and you might not see the need for a disbursement um, service in all cases, and, and that, that would be... Um, uh, that would be fair enough. There are some circumstances you might want to consider um, a disbursement service if you do have complex, in complex financing, co-productions where you really want to make sure that the relationship um, um, is the, the most primary focus that you, you want that relationship to be maintained and it can make sense to use a third party. Um, some of your investors may require disbursement or um, a collection account manager. Um, might have lots of people you need to pay, therefore um, it's administratively tiresome to do it and can be sensible to outsource it, or you just don't want the hassle. And that, um, that's some of the reasons we see people using the mm -hmm. disbursement service for documentary. And have you seen a fair bit of uptake over the last 12 months for that? We've seen uh, a number of different um, types of projects yep. um, for the disbursement, um, for disbursements by screen rights, and um, we're certainly keen to, to talk with producers about um, what they're looking for um, in in a, in a service and how we can create greater value for the industry. Mm -hmm. So before I um, get to you, Veronica, as one of the producers that Screen Rights works with, Emma, if you had one kind of piece of advice to some of the doco makers that might be here as kind of in your role of head of member services, what would it be in terms of how they can kind of improve the um, situation with Screen Rights that actually makes sure that they get some more of that pie? Uh, well, the first thing I um, would say is be contract savvy. Um, you really need to get across business affairs. Um, if you are looking to uh, make sure that you receive screen rights royalties, you need to get it into your contracts. Um, and um, it's competitive. Mm. Um, we're, we're seeing um, uh, lots of different types of organisations um, across the spectrum you know, of um, people involved in a film. It could be the distributor that's acquired the rights. Um, uh, it could be the production company that's uh, kept the rights. Uh, it could be educational rights existed one um, party, um, retransmission um, rights um, exist with another. But it's all down to your contracts. So um, if you are making a documentary and you do think it's of educational value, um, we've got some standard contract clauses that are available on our website which you could um, seek to in incorporate or it could be something that you're willing to um, assign to uh, someone else that you're working with in exchange for 
you know, a, um, a greater fee or like, mm -hmm. it's just good to have an awareness of what that value might be yeah. and whether or not you want to retain those rights. Mm. To could, could I add that also that Australia has a really fantastic and, 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 and unique situation that, that um, every documentary funded by Screen Australia has a component to have a study guide, mm. um, which the Australian teachers and media often, um, <coughs> often produce. And I think there's about 800 of them now, and uh, and it's really it's really unique. And we're, when New Zealand, we're trying to encourage um, uh, this same situation to occur. And what it means is that is that teachers are able to to to, to look at these these guides. They're beautifully produced um, here, Melbourne actually, um, uh, and um, and by educators for educators. Uh, and and what they do is they link the 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 the, the curriculum to to um, to the content, and that's and that's the sort of that's the golden piece in terms in terms mm. of in terms of what, what what's going to happen uh, what's going to happen in terms of teachers having to make this decision, and, and we'll often get calls from from um, documentary makers who'll say, well, why wasn't my work copied, and mm. and why aren't I receiving royalties? And it's because teachers have chosen, uh, or, or don't they might know about the content, uh, but they mightn't see the relevance. And I think that I think the more support material. Around around the content, the more working in with the Australian teachers and media, uh, who are just fantastic, um, and 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 the more thinking up front around the the, the, the the curriculum, the more chance you're going to have of of, of actually of, of getting getting increased returns. And we're very happy to work work in with with rights holders um, to talk about how that how that can happen. But it's mm. it's a really exciting phase right now. We've got a national curriculum for the first time. Um, and and that's and and with that curriculum, there are no that there's no set set content pieces. Mm -hmm. That's about it's about linking that content to the curriculum, and and so in a way, it's an open book and it's an ever changing book, and it's and that's that's really exciting, and uh, and, uh, and and I think that um, that there's a real need and hunger. Teachers tell us all the time they want to use Australian content. Yeah. They just want to know how to do it and, and for it to be as easy as possible. Mm. So we've just got a line, you know, we've got lots of dots and we've got to yes. make those lines. Um, so there's a real opportunity there for, for doco makers to integrate their content with the national curriculum because there's a real appetite and education for it. Absolutely. I have to say that that pretty much aligns with the conversations I've been having um, in my own research. And I have to reiterate that, um, that study guide point. Um, you know, what's often talked about is, is bridging materials, um, many of which are created by Adam. And they're not just sort of these standard, you know, PDF with a bunch of images. They're now being produced as these kind of rich media digital assets. Um, and it does kind of show that if they're there and if they're present for a program, it does really increase educational use. Teachers turn to them, they use them, and in turn they use that program more. Just and the other bit I wanted to add just on the education market or um, generally is that in terms of thinking about distribution for it, it's not too um, dissimilar from any other distribution effort, which is that idea of considering it early in the piece and considering it as soon as possible really pays off in the end. I mean, it seems like an obvious point, but um, not all programs are obviously appropriate or right for education audiences, so there's that to consider. But if you do feel like you've got a program that um, has a logical link with either curriculum or could be a good fit for education, thinking about what parts of it, thinking about how you're going to package that up and maybe include some other resources to help align it with education um, is really, really worthwhile. Um, and study guides are kind of a logical extension of that. And we, we see this all the time. Like, there's this fantastic... Uh, 
uh, teacher at MacArthur Girls High in Sydney and um, a woman called Sue Tor and she came to speak to us and, and she was just talking about this. Uh, it's, a, it's a very multicultural school with, uh, with, with a range of different sort of um, social challenges and mm. she just sort of said that she's able to get to, to, to personalise um, content for for these kids mm. um, and and be and and she's really focused at like lots of teachers she loves using Australian content but 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 one of the things which which she sort of said is is that she wants this broad palette of, of, of content to choose from and then and and then and then that's the easiest um, guide into into a whole range of issues which which can't easily be taught in the classroom but you know around Issues of sexuality, issues of racism, on and on and on, and 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 she, and she and she um, she just sort of says to be able to have those resources mm. there, um, it just creates this immediate sort of comfort and gate, gateway, but also a, a real challenge yep. for, for the students. And 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 so filmmakers have an amazing uh, a, a, an amazing role to play to play within within this yep. within education. Veronica, you must have created some content that's been challenging for students over the years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, um, it's funny because I, I, it's hard to know where to start, you know, oh, I love that royalty pie <laughs> and it's very yummy at the end of the day when you, you know, you get your screen rights email and, and there's a, 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 some money in there, some royalties raised, some funds that often, you know, in the past have saved the day and, and now come, you know, just really become an important part of um, keeping a sustainable production company in Australia. But it, to me, it's been hard to get that balance. And um, you please interject, Rory, when I sort of covered a few points just hearing what you guys oh, were do, saying yeah, in my head. On. But um, just with what audience want and what you're getting commissioned, um, does, it's, does that fit with the educational brief? I tend to be naughty and by the time you get to your Atom Guide and you don't have a Screen Australia film, you've spent your Atom money, oh my <laughs> God. And then they, it costs a bit to get them done. There's a lot of work put in them. They're glossy for for the reason, you know, that it doesn't, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a good investment. Um, at the same time, um, you're also balancing um, things like, uh, I thought about it, swearing. Some of the content we've been doing mm. lately has quite, um, is MMA, um, one got even rated R, <laughs> um, Electric Boogaloo, which would be good educational value. There's post-colonial film industry sort of content that would be, good, I think, good in, in studies, but uh, there's a lot of swearing. Does that mean it won't get picked up in school? So I feel like uh, there's lots of questions to ask uh, from a producer, but at the end of the day, um, if, if there's op more opportunities, and I feel like just sitting on this panel, I think, wow, I think I'm going to make that Adam Guide a bit more important. Chloe, can you make a note? <laughs> and um, can we... And, and I, I think uh, that's such a lot of money and it's a, a big pot of money for Australian documentary makers that I'm not sure I fully understood how much and how important it could be and how hungry the teachers were. We've got this amazing content there. Let's, let's make more. Mm. Mm. So do you... Um, Veronica, do you find yourself speaking with educators much when you're either in production or development of your work? That's a really good question because of course we're researching, we're making factual programs so we're often talking with educators, often at a university or college mm. level, but we are always talking to experts. Mm. And when you think back of 
the work that you've done, I mean, where have the, the surprises been in terms of, I guess, screenwriting incomes which demonstrate that there is an audience for it in education? Like, have there been some surprises along the way? Yeah, we, we did a show. One of, it was like one of the second shows I ever did was called the Glamour Game series on SBS and it was um, the history of Australian beauty and fashion through the eyes of multiculturalism or multiculture uh, Australia. And it uh, showcased uh, how immigration impacted Australian fashion and the way we represented beauty through the Miss Australia quests. Mm. And that show has been one of the biggest returners of royalties that, for me, and I know there's shows that have done a lot more. I think First Australians hit, did it hit the seven-figure mark. I know there's gossip around. It's like, ooh, that's a big pie. Um, so this, we're not talking that. But I think, you know, for me, it's enough to make it really important amount and that just, just is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Because I just got a surprise this morning when I had a look, there was another royalty from that, from education rights, um, um, that people obviously love the show, it's relevant to their students, and they just keep using it. And that's, A, I love the fact that people are watching it, uh, and B, I love the fact that it, it's uh, getting me some royalties. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was the next question, you know, without getting too touchy-feely, yeah. how is important is it for you knowing that it's, it's being used in education, that oh. young people around Australia are engaging with your work? Oh, I, mean, I love it's it. It's got to count for something. Yeah? Well, you know, everyone knows here that's a producer, you slog sometimes for three years on a show from the time you've had the idea and you get it up and then all of a sudden, bing, an hour, it goes to air and an hour later it's over. These days it's on iView for two weeks. Uh, and then it's sort of over, the next big thing comes along and, and you're racing along to the next show yourself. But to know there's a library and a hungry audience for work you've done uh, delights me. Mm. It, it helps make it worth it. And so that, that virtuous circle, sorry, with First Australians, because that, 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 they're happy to, happy to speak about okay. it, but because it's their information. But, um, but, but what it did was it meant that they could then go and um, uh, invest in Redfern Now, in Marbo, and, so, and that, that's right. the whole point, that, wow. that, that, that more, more things yep. get, get made and, 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 and it demonstrates more use, which funders love and which... Um, which, which, said, uh, we're in this really great sweet spot with, yep. with, with educators, but, 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 a, but it's a spot which is which is under under pressure. That sounds good. If that can be reinvested into shows, that sounds amazing. And I know when my first royalty check came through years ago when we did the Glamour Game, um, and like I said, it was my first series. I think I still had a home office then. I was working from home and. Uh, although I just moved out into my first office, I had overheads. And um, I think things were pretty tight and I was a bit worried, starting to get that pressure. Gosh, it was nothing compared to now. But um, that first sort of business pressure was starting to hit and those first royalties came in. That was, a, you know, 20 grand or something, hit the bank account. It just saved my business. I still remember that day of just going, I'm going to survive. So in a sense, it rolled, it allowed me to roll into my next show. Um, so I've always been grateful. Uh, familiar yeah. stories where yeah. um, producers have um, we've picked up the phone and um, we, we let them know about their their royalty payment mm. in some instance and um, you know maybe we need them to That's fill in some call. paperwork <laughs> um, and um, you know to have someone say oh look it, uh, I don't really have time is it much money yes um, <laughs> thinking oh well you know it might be a hundred dollars um, and it 
It could be 20 grand and to yeah. have people scream down the phone and fall off their chairs and say, oh, my God, we're going out to the pub. Because it, it does mean a lot to their business and, and um, yeah. can, can mean that they can sustain their business over time. And um, we've been, I've been in, um, in member services for many years and they're, they're, they're stories that keep, we keep hearing. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I'm not yeah. the only desperate one? <laughs> or was. <laughs> um, Veronica, for the, for the producers and doco makers um, in the audience, I just want to ask you about that. Okay, so we've got screen rights and they're returning money and that's fantastic. But you're also making content for broader audiences that, that aren't education. So how do you find that balance between considering education audiences and being aware of them and wanting those incomes to come, but also knowing that you're making for a broader audience as well? Well, you know, we're doing a lot of work now with the international market, and I think if anyone saw my uh, business partner, Michael Tears' business, I, you know, even I was surprised at the figures. We've had a 500% growth into the international market, and that's, um, you know, so that, uh, it's that that I don't know what the impact of that will be, but mm. we've always still got our core history, uh, core contemporary sort of Australian content. So, I. Probably, and it's like I said, I'm sort of aware today on this panel even that I don't probably think about it enough. But then in talking to you, I sort of feel like if we can start looking at ways we can um, enhance that. Mm. Um, as I said before, with some of my shows, with all the, the F and Cs and the, um, you know, the swearing is and, and some of the content matter, I just assumed wouldn't be educational, but there's talk now of clipping for teachers, maybe removing some of that content and making it more relevant, and oh my goodness, that just opens up a whole new uh, opportunity for me to explore as a producer. Yeah, that kind of chapterisation or that idea of thinking about appropriate clips, appropriate sections, and then kind of taking the time early in the piece to create those with a view to, well, this is the likely clips that are going to be played in education. It's probably a really um, worthwhile thing to do um, because I'm sure many of you know, but you know, very rarely is there a case um, in education where a class is going to sit down and watch any um, large piece of work in its entirety. So it's going to be chapterised and clipped by someone. Um, that person might as well be you. That would be great. Yeah. Um, so I know you kind of talked to this, but I mean, do you have any kind of general advice for producers or docker makers in terms of how they can kind of consider yeah. education? Well, I, I've just found lately that since screen rights, it's only been in the last few years, hasn't it? Correct me that uh, producers got to retain those rights from Screen Australia. Yeah, is that since 2008 or 2008. Yeah. And you know, since 2008, I now have to fight for those rights harder than anything else. Everyone knows about it. That's a big dollar on that screen, as you can all see. So everyone wants a slice of that pie. So as a producer, I'm going in against my distributors, against my investors, against... We often work with the US now and the UK. They know about it too. They want a slice of that pie. So we're starting to get into this um, sort of issue where you've got to negotiate them and retain them and um, it, it's constant. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, I think, on Emma's point is just being aware about it. Um, those terms sound great to get across, but... Uh, uh, sometimes I just sort of keep it quiet, just hoping to go under the radar, but you can't anymore. Yeah. It's just so it's just <laughs> another contractual yeah. kind of consideration yeah. that you need to make? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, make and fight and, you know, neg negotiate. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, Emma, I've, I'll ask this to both you and Simon. So when you think, okay, so we've looked at, you know, what's happened over the last 12 months, year ahead, you know, what would you ideally like to be able to get through to keep growing what you've got on the screen there? Ah. Well, I might start off. I mean, one thing is it's just a legislative framework that that um, that 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 um, there was a 
the Australian Law Reform Commission put mm. forward a, a recommendation uh, about fair use, and as I've said, that that's been disastrous um, for for um, statutory royalties in, in places where it has been introduced, uh, and and uh, and we we are strongly objecting to that, uh, along with other collecting societies. We we commissioned a report by um, by PwC to look at fair use and uh, and and look at the economic benefits and. Uh, and one of, one of the criticisms which PwC found was was that it creates a great deal of uncertainty uh, within the marketplace, and and the only way to get certainty is to go to court, and rights holders don't have the money to go to court yes. necessarily, and so that's that's that that is a real issue. Um, we we have Screen Rights has also worked really closely with the educational uh, interests to to actually put forward a, a simplified. Um, our statutory framework. Um, the Attorney General uh, asked us to sort of, you know, 30 pages of legislation, asked us to reduce it down. Um, so we're very close to getting some 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 agreement around all of that, and mm -hmm. uh, and that may well be introduced in 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 March. So that that that's a good thing. Uh, and for us, it's really about um, just just trying to sort of continually improve our processes, but also but also for us to sort of think well. How 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 will people keep on using our licences? Be it retransmission, and that's worth over eight million dollars a year for us. That's the process whereby whereby the free to air, say the ABC or Channel Nine, are picked up by um, Foxtel and, and, and used. They're in effect on sold. Um, there, there's there, there's also there's there's pressure on that. Um, there's certain uh, free to air networks who would who would like to have a different regime around all of that. They would have like to have what's called a consent regime, which means that, um, which means they get to say yes or no as to whether or not the channels um, are carried, and that that will have a knock-on effect to other rights holders. Um, and and as I've said, um, getting teachers into the habit of of continuing to pay, and I think that that's actually that's actually the same for for, for all digital industries that, um, that 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 getting people to use is not a bigger issue as getting people to pay. And and um, and it's a real challenge, and 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 it ain't going away. And mm. we, you just have to, you just have to commit, and you just have to get better. Because mm. yeah. the arguments around uh, fair use are, are very simple and and very strong. And so, um, so the the main drivers behind um, fair use are the the technology companies that um, say, well, fair use would encourage innovation, and it's only fair that you know we have innovations. Um, so and copyright is blocking innovation. Um, and it's a it's a really simple argument. There's there may be very little evidence to suggest it, but it's a really simple and compelling argument for um, for people to hear. Um, but if there's fair use and the the screen rights pie over time shrinks, then less money is going back to the industry to make better programs, and and that's that's a real threat in the medium to to long term um, mm. for screen rights royalties. So the better the industry can become at articulating why it's so important, these, these royalties to the industry and to have that consensus and a really strong, um, I guess, selling point as to why we need these royalties, then um, it becomes a counter argument. And at the moment, that counter argument really isn't as vocal or as, as con concise as the, the fair use argument. Oh, we, we did that film Electric Boogaloo and it was ended up getting picked up by Warner Brothers in the US and we were having to pull it down off YouTube like two times a day 
globally. It was just endless. And Warner just were so onto it. I could not believe that they were so strict. They were so onto it. They checked. They just checked and checked and checked to stop that film being put on YouTube and put onto pirate sites, whatever they're called, Pirate Bay, whatever, to stop that mm-hmm. film from being... Um, uh, you know, pirated and, and, and then in, in, in its essence losing its value and its mm-hmm. copyright value. It was, uh, we've, it's a big fight there. Yeah. Mm. And it's so much, it's impossible to, um, or difficult to ever compete against free um, without, without <laughs> something more compelling. And, um, and just in general, I mean, you know, the explosion of Netflix um, and they're, they're, talking, they're talking around uh, about having a million plus subscribers already. Uh, it shows that the that, that people can, that the Australian population is willing is willing to pay um, if if the proposition is is, mm. is the right one. But um, but piracy definitely undermines everything. Uh, and and getting and, and I suppose we've just got to sort of sort out better ways to to um, to protect content and also and also to to, to remunerate it and mm. uh, and and uh, and so that 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 that's that's a big challenge. Yeah. I think part of the answer to that is um, providing value and adding value to content, um, which we've got one or two um, minutes of questions, which I'll get Sorry. to in just one second. But before I do, just uh, you know, a point sort of hovering over all that. Um, one of the things that came through loud and clear when I talked to film festivals, film foundations, um, charities that were involved in, in getting a documentary into education for education audiences is that um, content isn't the issue. There's, a, there's so much content out there. There's an overabundance of, of content. That will come as a surprise to no one. The issue is, is curation often for education. They want to know how um, someone has actually worked out that this is relevant to them and has it been um, accessed with some supporting materials, additional materials, which means they can use in education. So having... Um, groups and having um, providers that can actually curate that content like Enhanced TV does can be really useful for educators. And that came through loud and clear when I spoke to them. Rory, with that doesn't... I think that's where the relationship works with the broadcast that you are talking before about the balance is that... I guess um, the education sector knows that if the ABC have commissioned it, if it's SBS or if it's the Discovery Channel, it's got that branding. It's Absolutely. been commissioned. There's been an editorial yep. uh, eye uh, over that commission, over that production. Yeah. Yeah. And Screen Notes also um, has in Enhanced TV. Um, um, Anna from Enhanced TV is actually in the middle of the room. Um, and Anna is the editor and she curates um, content, broadcast content coming up on the TV and that... Um, send out an email that goes to 12,000 plus um, educators and librarians saying this is all of the great stuff coming up that's relevant to the classroom in the next week. Um, So accessing those um, networks is available to to producers. They can um, supply Anna with um, additional information about their program. It's very, very helpful. And it... um, Anecdotal, anecdotally, we have, you know, um, feedback that it makes a difference. It's very different to, very difficult to say um, without, with certainty that if, if a program was broadcast and it didn't have a study guide and wasn't promoted that it wouldn't have done as well. It's, um, mm. it's very hard to have the same, you can't have the same program yeah. and, and test that um, in a real um, scientific way. Sure. Now, uh, we've got maybe one or two quick moments. Um, we have got a roving microphone somewhere and if there's a question... Um, sorry, just sort of put you on the spot. Thanks. 
Hi guys, um, I just wanted to bring up another aspect, the fair use, because um, I've gone into that quite deeply. Mm -hmm. I just had a big problem with it in my post-production process of the film I just made. I felt held over a barrel because I had so many scenes in documentary with things in the background and supermarkets and cars. Mm. Um, I had some a character singing uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to kids <laughs> in a hospital yeah. and we just had it ended up costing us like over twenty thousand dollars to try and clear and and we still had to let go a lot of scenes so i think from that side of the fair use it's quite a complex um situation mm. and it and it's quite difficult to work with unless you literally go in with your camera and turn off tvs turn off music turn off all sorts mm. of stuff so Karina, yeah. can I talk from a mm. producer's point of view on that? I think I didn't understand that, but I think what screenwrites are saying for our shows, mm. if teachers can't play them in the classroom because they can just run them off fair use, they can just play it and claim fair use, we don't get any royalty collections. So it's sort of that difference. No, and I understand. The, it's, 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 for me, it's, I'm with you. Yeah. It's a hard, I want to take and keep. It's all side, <laughs> like it's, it's all lumped into the same thing. And I agree, I mean, there, there needs to be collection abilities mm. too, but it's yeah. all lumped into one argument, but there's multifaceted yeah. sides yeah. to the thing. It's quite a complex yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. topic. So, so, one, one, so one, 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 which Veronica's mentioning is it's around the streaming. We don't have mm. fair use in Australia. We mm. have fair dealing. Um, yeah. But even but even within um, with if, if, the, if a song was in the background in America, you would also have to get that cleared under 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 fair fair use. That would not be necessarily considered to be to be covered by fair use and that's the whole thing is we actually got uh, um, uh, the Columbia Law School um, uh, a professor called Jane Ginsburg to, to look at fair use and how certain it was and she said mm. she said it's a moving target um, and, <laughs> okay. and so, so there are guidelines for documentary makers around those things but mm. um, but but that's always that's always going to be the case if you're going to be using something like, like that, 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 that that it just depends how incidental it is really and that's not necessarily just a fair use issue. Mm, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Uh, I'll just have to be one quick question. Thank you. Is yet for that gentleman there? Probably only got about two more minutes. Hi. Um, do I get this right that you distribute the content to the schools, but also the study guides, or is the study guides a complete different? Um, matter and process you've, you've, you've got we, we are one of the people who distribute it so if you want to get those study guides you can just go to enhance tv and you can you can um you can get those for free um uh the australian teachers and media also distribute those those study guides but ScreenWrites runs a service called enhance tv which is a cloud based it's like a netflix for education it's a cloud-based streaming service and and all the use under that um, um gets into the ScreenWrites pie yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But as a as a documentary filmmaker, so how do I approach this? Do I just talk to you, or do I have to do like the the distribution of these study guides separately? Is it a different platform? Um, so so the first thing is everything we do is from a broadcast perspective. So 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 you have to have your program being broadcast. In terms in terms of the study guides, um, if your film was um, funded in part by Screen Australia, there'd be a component there for you to speak to Australian teachers and media. But just get on the phone to Peter Tap. Get to St Kilda, and uh, and uh, they they are absolutely f 
fantastic and mm. groundbreaking in what they do. And uh, and I think Peter's actually one of those sort of unspoken heroes of the documentary industry. Yeah, yeah. He really is just extraordinary. He's given a lifetime of, mm. of dedication and, and, and mm. passion around this. And, and the moment you read one of those study guides, you'll, you'll see it bounces off the page. Hands TV is just amazing. So I'd recommend just jump on there and have a look around at what's available for teachers. Um, and there's all the, our productions sitting there. Yeah. Folks, we've got another session coming in. Guys, where can people find you if they've got other questions? Uh, the Screen Rights has a stand down in the marketplace. So uh, if you, from the registration desk, you head down the escalators. Um, it's just to the left of the Thanks. escalators. Look, it remains to me to thank you for turning up today and also for our panel. Please thank them. You have been listening to an ACME podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash acmeonline or the ACME website.